I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I want to let you know that tonight the president will be giving a primetime update on COVID-19. Uh, we will certainly air that on these airwaves, KSL News Radio, during Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news. Uh, again, the president giving a primetime, and I say that uh, in quotation marks, primetime. Uh, that's uh, as specific as we know uh, yet. But uh, President Trump going to share some words this evening about the coronavirus, uh, maybe an update, maybe some announcements. We'll see, but we'll... Certainly learn about it together here on these airwaves during Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news. This next segment, it's a, it's a bit touchy. It deals with abortion and a piece of legislation up on Utah's Capitol Hill, a piece of legislation I would point out introduced uh, in the Senate and in the House by two men, uh, Senator Kurt Bramble in the Senate, obviously, and Representative uh, Steve Christensen in the House. I, if I'm honest, have not followed... Uh, the abortion debate on Utah's Capitol Hill this year. Uh, That's not commentary on anything. That's not uh, because of any attitudes I hold or anything like that. It's simply that, uh, you know, we have limited time, and there are hundreds of bills that uh, make it through the process up there on Utah's Capitol Hill. And, uh, you know, between coronavirus and uh, (laughs) Bernie Sanders and uh, other things going on around the country right now, I have not given this topic due attention. Today, though, uh, we're going to dedicate this whole segment to it because something happened last night uh, that caught my attention. And it made me feel a little bit funny. Uh, and I want to, to share with you in, in full context what happened. Uh, and I'll share with you my uh, reaction to it. Also, I'll ask you to uh, think about this as we go along and share with me your thoughts. You can do so via the Utah Community Credit Union text line. That's 57500. Again, the Utah Community Credit Union Text line 57500. I also have a Facebook page. I'd be uh, honored if you would make your way over there. Uh, click on the like or follow button, whichever it is, uh, the Lee Lonsberry Facebook page. That we use as a, a source of uh, sharing information uh, on the topics we cover here on the program. So let me get right into this because uh, it requires a little bit of time. Uh, Senator Bramble uh, explained his piece of legislation on the floor. Here is a bit of that. This bill is an informed consent bill. Uh, the best the best decisions are, are made, particularly medically, when you have the, the best information. And the best info leads to the best decisions. What this bill is about, uh, it requires uh, that an ultrasound uh, giving the image of the unborn child's body and the heartbeat be made available to the woman. Now, she can turn her head. She can have the volume turned down. But the doctor has to make that information available. 
So that is it, very basically. Senator Bramble uh, and his partner in the House would like, in the state of Utah, for women to be at least exposed to an ultrasound of sorts, uh, showing uh, a physical uh, depiction of a child and to visually see and hear the heartbeat. Now, that gave way to a debate uh, about the nature of the ultrasound. Uh, You mothers know that there are various types of ultrasounds. One is very invasive and one is uh, much less so. Uh, That's as specific as I'll be on that front. But there were a number of senators who uh, stood up yesterday uh, of both parties uh, to debate uh, this issue and this amendment. I'm going to play for you exactly what they said on the House floor. They speak in very, uh, very personal uh, terms, and so I'll let them do the speaking for themselves. And then I'm going to tell you what happened uh, there at the end. To, to start this off, let me share uh, the words of Senator Henderson as she spoke on the floor of the Senate just yesterday. My big concerns with this bill is on line 203 and 204 um, that... Uh, that displaying the images produced by a trans abdominal ultrasound satisfies the requirement to display fetal images regardless of the stage of pregnancy. So it doesn't prohibit transvaginal ultrasounds. She continues. Amendment number two simply says a physician or qualified technician may not use a transvaginal ultrasound to satisfy the requirement to display fetal images under subsection 5AI. At that stage, Senator Bramble says that he... I saw this as a friendly amendment to the bill. Uh, The period of debate uh, continued, and Senator Escamilla had this to share. To me, it's uh, probably one of the most horrible things that could be put in a piece of legislation. And I know what we're doing here is explicitly saying that it's not going to be performed. And I'm rising in support of something that stops government intruding on someone's um, body that way. Senator Milner. It's... Very upsetting to think about somebody young having to go through something as um, invasive that is unnecessary. So I rise in support, and um, I think that we need to recognize that women have the ability to make their own decisions without being told to do unnecessary extra procedures. Then on the Senate floor, Senator Iwamoto had this to share on this very same topic. I had a number of people who shared their personal experiences of being sexually assaulted and raped, and to have when they go there and have this invasive procedure again would not only be physically hard, but mentally hard. It would be like reliving what they went through again. So um, I support this amendment fully. And lastly, Senator Deidre Henderson had this to say. I understand the intent uh, behind the bill. I am very pro-life. I always vote for pro-life legislation. I do get concerned when we maybe go a little bit too far. And I think that this bill... Um, without this amendment, for sure goes too far, and, and with this amendment, goes a little less too far. So at this stage, that that brought to an end the debate. And then, as the senators were asked to cast their vote, up on Utah's Capitol Hill, they do something called a voice vote, where each member is uh, asked uh, by name how they vote on something, and uh, then they respond, you know, yay or nay. Well, As that process proceeded, all six of the female members of Utah's Senate, they got up and left. They didn't cast a vote on this measure. I'll point out that the measure passed, and the amendment that these women here were fighting for also passed, and yet they weren't there to vote on it. Let me read you, or let me play for you, 
that final vote. Fifth substitute, House Bill 364, having 16 yay votes, seven nay votes, six being absent, passes this body and will be returned to the House for further consideration. I'm supportive of this measure. I think that the that it is very important that someone engaging in this type of procedure know everything that's going on. And I think this is a way uh, to present that information, and I think it's a fair way. And I think that many of the women who got up and walked out yesterday feel similarly. But they were voted into office to cast votes. When all is said and done, the job of a legislator is to legislate. And to protest by walking away from that duty, regardless of the outcome of the vote, uh, I think is a betrayal of the promise you make uh, to those who elect you to office. Now, I'm a big admirer, if I'm honest, of all of these women. Uh, I've come to know them in different circumstances, and I think they uh, do wonderful work. And I think that for years to come, they'll continue to do so. But on this instance, I think the tactic was a little bit wrong. Uh, I think they knew uh, that their collective votes wouldn't have had an impact on the ultimate outcome of the legislation. And so that may have uh, impacted their willingness to, uh, to make a demonstration of this nature. But when you are a legislator, when you are a senator elected to office here in Utah, your job is to cast votes. They're not always easy. And to protest uh, by shirking your duty to vote, uh, I don't think that's the best way to go about things. Uh, I, I'm, you may disagree with this. Let me know. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I'm going to take a break now. Next up, we're going to be speaking to former U, uh, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah, Brett Tolman. We're going to be talking about FISA and some changes that may be coming from Washington, D.C. That's next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.